0: Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host, Ben Tallon. Bonjour and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. I am your host. This is the Original Thinking and the Creative Innovation podcast. How is everyone? I hope you're all good. I'm feeling French today because I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing a fantastic illustrator, Malika Favre, earlier in the week. I went around her place and we spent a few hours... Uh, just chatting, chatting creative, shooting the breeze, the Americans say. <laughs> it's getting all international today. Uh, it was brilliant. You're going to love that episode. Malika Favre coming up in a few weeks' time. She's awesome with good reason. She is one of the best illustrators in the world right now. Very digital style, very clinical. Talks about detail in depth. She's absolutely awesome. Um, but we'll come back to that in a few weeks. So you've got that treat to look forward to. The weather is. Cultural nuances and minefields with other traditions in other countries (laughs) and graphic activism, angry people with creative skills. Which brings me to today's awesome guest because I meet an absolute hero of mine. Uh, We'll get on to that shortly, but first of all, sponsors, the people who keep this show free every week for you guys. What a lovely thing to be able to do a podcast. Just creating this archive of creative inspiration from amazing people telling their stories putting the spotlight on them it's nice i don't have to talk about me too much which is cool i love doing that don't get me wrong i'm passionate about what i do but i don't want to do it all the time because people get sick of it and there's so many good creative people out there who can share their individual experiences for all of you numbers have been going awesome cheers for uh, checking in before i get on to the sponsors um the association of illustrators episode has gone off, like big numbers, really, really cool, uh, fastest out the traps so far, really well received, it's cool because they're such a vital organisation for illustrators in the modern era with things like contracts and intellectual property and uh, all the business side of things, but also just championing interesting, fascinating, cool illustrations, so go back and listen to that, episode 44, we're rolling on, picking up a head of steam now, it's really, really cool, approaching that 30,000 listens mark, <laughs> yes, it's getting good, uh, but the sponsors, Illustration Web, they were the guys who uh, put me onto the Association of Illustrators because they work very closely with them as one of the biggest agencies in the world. They all work together to create safety net for us guys to look after those independent creative professionals who might get screwed over or might not quite know their rights or what they can charge and everything else so they're a good agent and they're fighting the good fight so go and check out the portfolios on there over 200 artists represented uh, fashion illustrators designers uh, art directors mural artists live illustrators you name it it's all going on as the industry evolves So go and check out their website, illustrationweb.com. Crucial support from Dave Dot from those guys. Uh, Heartinternet.co.uk providing you with digital tech, SEO, hosting, website advice, digital stuff. Really, really cool. They really know their stuff. Again, go back and listen to the episode with Nick Leach from Heart Internet, telling you some really cool basics on SEO tips, websites, what makes a good website, all that stuff, all that good tech stuff, how to have a strong presence on SEO and get your character across and how much of that you want to convey. Really good stuff from those guys. Um, today's uh, techie tip... Um, it's just, uh, I think it's following up. I think it's taking time, those people that you meet, uh, to chase and to follow up and to use a nice mix of uh, printed resources with uh, digital. So, you know, so today's guest, Ken Garland, he's in his 80s. He's a legend. He's fired up. He's still passionate. He's one of the best designers in the world and has been for some time. A um, real hero of mine that I wrote about in my dissertation. But, Ken, um, I've, I'd... I wrote about him in my dissertation at university about graphic activism and I studied him, Jonathan Bang, Barnbrook, I looked at Banksy, I looked at Rat, I looked at all that kind of fighting for a better world through creativity. Um, and then some years went by and I didn't return to looking at Ken's stuff for a while, so I wouldn't say I forgot about him, but I hadn't thought about him for some time. And I was flicking through iMagazine in Magma in Manchester and there he was, uh, exclusive interview in Ken's studio, and I thought, oh God, Ken, I need to... I need to chat to him. Um, so I followed it up on, you know, using digital. I emailed Ken, I, I reintroduced myself, I sent him all the links. And I think sometimes it's just good to remember that personal uh, access that digital gives you and you can email someone in an instant now. You can be on a bus, on your phone, you can be out and about. So I think social's great, but also remember the personal touch and the very basics, email. Just get personal, you know. Think about how you can engage with someone uh, Through that stuff, I've had so much success just from things, yeah, social media platforms and LinkedIn, but by following it up personally and just going out of my way to email someone individually, don't blanket everyone and don't just be very autonomous, but go and speak someone's language and speak to them directly. So that's my kind of roundabout tip for today, Uh, courtesy of Heart Internet, doing awesome stuff, check them out. Uh, And last but not least, certainly, printed.com fantastic print services, awesome customer service, over 90 different products, and lots of different finishes, matte gloss, all the sexy stuff we need as creators. Um, And today's print tip, uh, Ken Garland. I mean, what a career. We'll go into that in a little bit in more depth, but... Um, you'll hear at the end of the episode, Ken gave me uh, a complimentary copy of his retrospective book, um, designed and put together by Adrian Shaughnessy, a, a guy we've had on this show. You can go back and listen to Adrian's own legendary graphic design story. Um, but Ken gave me a book at the end of it, and and I gave him you know, a, a copy of the printed stuff we've been doing for the Express campaign, which is what, how I met Ken. I did a, a charity campaign for calm a few years ago and i got to interview ken for that so this is the conversation you're going to be hearing today so it's a little older but it's um i had been sitting on it for so long and i was touch and go about releasing it audio but i just thought i have to put this stuff out there because he's such a charming character uh but my point being ken's studio was littered with awesome printed material his walls were covered in his life's work the book is full of it and there's just something wonderful about picking it up and sitting in a room together and flicking through that um so you can do that with your own work you can get that stuff printed you can you can immortalize, crystallize that stuff. Um, I sometimes worry about the ethics of printing and the environment, so I use their beautiful recycled stock for my own books, and I was able to give Kem one of those. So think about that, and next time you need the print, go and use those guys, because they look after you on the customer service, and they're really, really, really nice people looking after the creative industries. So that's it for the sponsors. Thanks to those guys, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and printed.com. So Ken Garland, if you don't know who Ken Garland is, you should. Shake your head, go to bed, um, look him up, read up on his legendary career. Um, so why am I releasing this three years after I talked to Ken? Well, because the Express campaign was very swift and it was in and out and it it, it, it it was a huge learning curve for all of us. Long story short, I, as a quite a happy person, felt sad that suicide was the biggest killer of young men in this country. Um, and it broke my heart to learn that people don't have the, the belonging that I have through creativity, uh, the emotional well-being that it gives me, the pur- sense of purpose every day uh, that so many enjoy. And I wanted to see if my, my belief that that was enjoyed by creative people, um, that it could be quite cathartic and therapeutic, was indeed accurate. So I was uh, lucky enough to uh, to get access to many people, and I'm going to bring you a special episode on that in a few weeks. We've got... Uh, current raw general manager from the wwe mick foley got to chat to mick met him um and we talked about um what happens after you've finished doing a career that's that's not got the longevity that maybe this creativity has and creativity was actually what mick turned to next storytelling he wrote children's books and he's going to talk about that transformation and that process we've got danny dyer um actor who you wouldn't have down for something like this, but it was a real heartfelt conversation about what acting does for him, and creativity, of course. Um, Many others coming up. Uh, As I mentioned, Malika Favre, she gave me a little bit extra to talk about that for that episode too. Um, But it it suddenly the conversation I had with Ken was talking about um, graphic activism and political agendas and ethics, and all these things, and his his amazing career, so there are so many reasons why I wanted to release this episode as an individual one, but certainly in the climate we're living in at the moment, it's fucking dark times ahead, Um, politics are a mess, Um, we're leaving the European Union, whether you think that's a good or a bad thing, it's a drastic thing, and systems are breaking, you know, I don't want to get dark, but I watched the Adam Curtis documentary the other week on recommendation by Danny Allison, and we're being lied to by people in power there's no getting around that and the point of this documentary is saying that they know that we know that they don't care and we have no alternative system so there's all these issues that have been coming up and i think the impact that has on people's emotions is quite dark and it can cause a lot of depression you know they talk about uh the uk being one of the loneliest uh, countries in the world um and that comes off the back of, you know, this this system that divides people, the internet and things like that. It's, I don't want to go too deep, too far down the rabbit hole, but I thought this was a more relevant time than ever to release this conversation, this interview that Ken was kind enough to give me, um, just to give you a, a window into a, the soul of a beautiful man who's done a life's work and done some incredibly important stuff and continues to do so well into his 80s. So you find me at the flat of Ken Garland in, uh, in London. Just up by Camden. Um, Ken was wonderful. He invited me round for coffee when I emailed him to chat. And we talked about his career. We talked about all those things, about empowerment, about um, activism, about politics in design. It's one of the greatest things I'll ever do in my career. I got to talk to an idol, um, not many people get to meet their heroes, and some people say, don't meet your heroes. <laughs> but Ken far exceeded my expectations and was a lovely man, very humble, very passionate. So you find me in his front room in Camden, uh, in his studio, in fact. Wall-to-wall books, a lifetime of work, um, and he can tell you better than I ever could. So I'm going to take you to it. Get me feedback on Twitter. At arrest on the mix. If you're not already aware of Ken Garland, please go and read up about his First Things First manifesto, which happened in 1964, where he and I believe 25 or so other creative professionals pledged their names to using their free time to work for a better society and um, a and, you know and a better world. Whether it was in education, in for charities, um, Ken's a big supporter of Water Aid. Um, I think he was involved with um, the campaign for nuclear disarmament. He loathes Trident and will tell us all about that, so it's one hell of a passionate conversation and I really want your feedback on this. Um, I'm sure anyone who knows Ken loved him like I do, so I hope it brings you the pleasure that it brought me. So here we go, Ken Garland.
1: I was up in Liverpool for the first time since 1982, that's wow. a awful long time. And in 1982, the Liverpool College of Art and Design, whatever it was called then, was in an old building just off Hope Street. Now it's in Hope Street, right opposite the Catholic Cathedral. It was a very, very new spanking building and I, I thought, this can't be the same place. And then I met one or two of the same sort of people and I realized that you know, the character of a college resides in its people. Mm-hmm. You know, are they the same sort? or well, are they in fact the same people, grown older? Mm. The buildings change, but, but what, what about the people? So, at the end of the day, I really got a feeling, yes, I, I knew these people and I remember what it was like then and I'd love to go back to Bradford, I must say, it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, the well, point... I'm off to
1: Leeds on Wednesday for a lecture there. Okay. I could have, you know, Made uh, a link to Bradford at the same time. Yeah,
0: i for what 20,
1: 20 minutes on the trail then. Sure, no distance at all.
0: But yeah, um, I looked at Leeds College before I actually went to well, Leeds Met. Leeds Met, you before I went to uh, UCLan. But um, I'm Leeds that. is
1: interesting because it's got two two universities: Leeds University and uh, Leeds Metropolitan. The Metropolitan one is the one I'm I'm lecturing at. But the, originally, I went to the 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 famous college, which is famous for having been the mother, I suppose, of uh, of a certain sort of art, conceptual art, Mm. and uh, I saw them all doing conceptual art there at Leeds, and a very bizarre experience, I have to
0: say. Yeah, (laughs) it's always challenging. So what, so about your background, were you Were you? Sort of, would you say you were a creative child? Is it something that came naturally to you?
1: Sure, I was rather a lot rather like you, I was the one in the family, I had a, a sibling, a sister, I was the one who was always drawing, I was the one who was going to do something in art. <laughs> I was also the one who did quite well in academic subjects, and was regarded with great scorn by the teachers in my little old grammar school, because I wasn't prepared to go for a county scholarship and then try for Oxford or Cambridge and Mm. they thought I was wasting myself going into art school I've always resented that attitude yes and come when I come across it subsequently and it still exists I'm really very angry about it I think it can lead people the wrong way in fact I just told them to go and get fucked Mm. well I didn't say that go and get stuffed I think I said yeah. 16 year old person telling his teachers to get stuffed. <laughs> is, that,
0: is that something that did you was that just naturally in you or was that, was that something that you kind of I mean, I mean sort of did that come from family or was that just an attitude that you had, you had naturally as a creative person is that something you felt
1: not able to answer that one
0: no it's just something that kind of, I
1: can't tell you all I can say is that I had an absolute conviction that all these things these people these well meaning people telling me I should do was what I didn't want to do mm-hmm. and that going to an art school was what I wanted to do yes so my parents supported me they said yes just do art but you, sh- you should do commercial art <laughs> go earn a living yeah a very understandable attitude of parents isn't it you I'm sure you can recognize yeah
0: that. I think you always have to you have to cater for some meet them somewhere in the middle and you know you have to understand mm-hmm. the reasons why you know that's that's the thing but I was lucky I mean my my parents but, my dad was a good drawer, but just a poor family and never had the opportunity to pursue that beyond sort of school level. My mum still does art to this day, but but always just as a hobby. And and um, she went to college, but they always just said, you know, do do what you like. If you want to work in the supermarket, that's fine. As long as you give it your best, then you pursue what you want to do naturally yes. and and without that freedom, I, there's no way that I would have found the path that I did. You know, it's yeah. It's, I, I, thankfully, I had enough get up to that's kind good. of, and they always encouraged me to draw. You know, it was. There was no. We had computers and consoles, but it was all. It was always very much. You spent your hour on that. Now go and do some drawing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you need to to uh, show that. And I'm so thankful for that because, you know, if I'd just been left to kind of play on computers and whatever else, I think it would stifled, stifled that that was in me. But um, yeah, I I'm, I feel the same as you. I feel quite strongly about people that kind of just deny artistic traits in people and push them towards academic. I think it's. I don't. I don't agree with it. I know people have their reasons, but I just think it's you can't stifle that in a person because if that's coming out of a the person, they obviously need you know that's something that's in them.
1: It's something in our academic background, the ac- background of teachers themselves. They can't quite get their minds around the idea that going to an art school can be a really serious form of study. Of course, it. They do. think it's just playing around, you know. Mm. It's well, a sort of, it's a sort of nest for for pop groups and you know various other activities that have nothing to do with serious study Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I mean no it's you know it's it's, without that without those experiences the people that I met there you (coughs) know there's no way I'd have um, I don't know you know gone on to to work with charities and things like that or even find out about your own work to to get get the inspiration to go and do that you know it's it's crucial really and yeah I think it's
1: however that said it is it feasible that one could go to an art school and just bury oneself in the study of art, design, illustration and neglect other sorts of study in literature, drama, cinema and so on. And uh, I've always been anxious that people who went to art school should then be given a wide education. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be focused narrowly that's what I think
0: I, again I agree My, um, I often, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position that I, I get students sometimes well quite often they'll get in touch asking and, and the big question they always ask me for whatever they're studying is about my inspirations and I always um, say Look, it's important to know about the industry and, and, and recognise artistic talent but my biggest inspirations often come from outside of that whether it's mm. film, sport, uh, literature as you say my chief has always encouraged me to get in the library and ignore the art section and go and read about you know anything other things and just feed feed information and yes. culturally and I think that's one of the best things that you can do um, Yeah,
1: you know sometime in the 60s the uh, business of art and design education underwent a big uh, overhaul there was something called the Somerset Council which was set up to uh, examine Basically, all art schools, and award those they thought fit a degree status award, which later became a degree. And this was a big upheaval. All the art schools in the country, all, uh, all the art schools in England, and Wales, and Northern Ireland were visited to the view to accrediting them academically. Well, quite a lot of artists disagreed with this. They thought art can't be uh, subjected to this sort of examination, Mm -hmm. it doesn't belong in the academic field, it's a freer activity. But there were those of us who thought, no this isn't so, we'll go along with this and see what happens. And as a person already having done some work in design, I was recruited to be part of these visiting teams Mm -hmm. who went round looking to see if uh, art could be taught to a degree. <laughs> we did even uh, subsequently a television program for BBC called Art to a Degree? Question mark, in which we visited Leeds and, uh, and Bradford and uh, various other art schools to see how they were functioning now under the new notion that artists can be studying for and awarded a degree, mm. which is a, quite a new Startling things, very normal to you, but believe me, and then, and then yeah. it was very odd, very strange thing. Wow. So I was part of that early overhaul, and I met a lot of people who were teaching what you might call complementary studies area and the history of art and design stuff. And, and these people, like Nicholas Pesner, whose name will no doubt be familiar to you who became friends because, and Richard Walheim was another, they became friends because they were talking about art and design in a rather different fashion, in an academic frame. Yeah, And I thought, <coughs> want well, to hear about this. And some of them said, and we now include subjects like graphic design and product design, You, they have a history, they have a place in academia. So that was a new thing as well. Mm. This notion That all these studies, which had previously been craft studies, like ceramics, like furniture design, could also be brought within a sort of academic context, Mm. has been, was new then, and is still a matter of discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Very much. I mean, a lot of people still go to art school saying, I want to study art or I want to study ceramics, I don't want to bother with all that stuff you know, this liberal studies or this complementary studies, I don't want to do that, I don't want to find out about (laughs) history, you know, I want to get on with what I'm doing, making pots or whatever
0: it is. Yeah, the biggest dividers were always the paperwork and the the written pieces, which, looking back, I admit, I was reluctant at the time and used to just, you know, with a heavy sigh, get on with the work, but I wouldn't be sat here today if it wasn't for my dissertation. So, you know, now, with the wisdom of hindsight, (laughs) it, it was crucial to me, you know.
1: Well, I have to thank early exponents of con- of, of uh, related studies when I was in art school to introduce me, for example, to William Blake, who has been my godfather ever since. When I discovered his drawing, his poetry, and his books, which were a fusion mm. of word and image, which is what graphic designers are about, I thought, there's the man, you know, there he is. Well, there he is doing it. Yeah. Way back in the the end of the... Uh, Eighteenth, beginning of the nineteenth century, and I thought, how lucky to have been in touch with teachers who said, "I think you should take a look at this," and yes, show me too. other yes. things.
0: Yeah, which is a worry. It's that's that for me right now. That's a worrying. That's a worrying thing because among the among the kind of lecturers that I've met, there's there's this growing pressure now to fill places. On their on courses because of the, the ridiculous tuition fees, yes, which they're struggling to fill, and I I start to see a, a sort of an abandonment of quality control creeping in now, and that's already precedent for me. You know, they're under pressure to fill the places at, at the cost of their own jobs, and they
1: accept students from abroad on the basis of portfolios, which those students may not themselves have done. And I've experienced this already. Hmm. However, there is another side of it. At the Royal College of Art, I was invited to go. And Give a talk to students, which I love. I like being invited by students. They don't, they can't pay you, but they appreciate your turning up. So I went and gave a chat, and about 80 students turned up. The people who were organising it were South Korean students. Right. They are so vigorous, so intelligent, so well directed, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh no, God, I've got to think again about this. These students have, as- actually, got here on the basis of, I don't know, their wealthy parents paying ludicrous fees which is what people in South Korea have to pay to come and study here but they're so valuable as well you know so yes. there's a kind of mix going on here we are, we do on the one hand we are wary of this huge influx of foreign students whose wealthy parents are paying for them to come here for the kudos mm-hmm. you know the reputation yep. and we think you know what, what happens to our native students we, you know who can't afford it yeah big 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 debate that which is what you just it
0: is, it is, but also there's also the moral side that, um, that some students that would never have made it onto the course and Mm. should never pursue. You know, my one tutor I spoke to said that he's now in a position where he's he feels like he has to accept every person that comes to interview. So that person that should have been sort of said politely declined and said, Look, you we re- really don't think that with any level of, of input that you can kind of do this as a career and now being let through so that poor person is paying three years of tuition fees and, and debts and maybe they never sort a of chance and the, the, so there's a, the whole moral side of that as well indeed
1: uh, it, it, I, 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 find I quite couldn't agree more about that it's a huge problem we're facing mm. it ain't gonna go away because we will not get rid of these bloody tuition fees now they're there no it's difficult they're embedded Definitely,
0: um, but one
1: thing—I uh, mean,
0: one thing that uh, I've heard said a lot—and and, and I guess to a degree I agree with—is um, that from adversity and, and times like this, you know, recessions, would you agree that it encourages a greater sort of creative response sometimes? You know,
1: well, if you've got to fight, you um, bring out all your your powers, and you feel better about yourself that you that you fought, uh, provided you win. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that, but I've got another type of person in mind, that's the gentle uh, person who has a, a real talent, but who is shy, not pushy, isn't prepared to do a lot of shouting for themselves, is not arrogant, mm-hmm. but has a huge talent which will not see the light of day unless it's nurtured and unless we take care that these people get all our attention. Mm. So I don't think it's only the pushy people who should be um, respected here. If you say to yourself, well, uh, it's tough. Yeah, it's even tougher than it used to be. Uh, But the the ones who really want to be designers, artists, will win the day. It's not that simple. No, it's not. A lot of talents are, are, and especially in art, are, are not forceful, not violent, not vigorous, mm-hmm. sensitive. They need nurturing, they need recognition. They need a tutor who will respond to the incipient talent and insist that that person must have what they need in in training uh, and nurturing. How is it to be done without having to pay out large sums of money? There's a big problem there for people who, um, whose parents just don't fancy a future of o- owing money mm-hmm. after. They, the, the, the thing that's said by the people who set up these tuition fees is, look, the parents aren't going to pay and the students aren't going to pay until they can afford it and unless they can afford it all very well but that burden of debt that hangs over you not just of tuition fees which is what we're talking about there but also fees to sub- subsistence
0: yes to live It's
1: just a matter of how many how, many, how can i afford to live while i'm studying yes uh, and there aren't that many part-time jobs around either that's another thing mm-hmm. students could have perhaps existed by stack, stacking goods on yeah. supermarket shelves but those jobs are now scarce
0: well that's it I, I exist in a mixture I always worked throughout university for 20-25 hours a week at off licenses supermarkets and um, my parents were very poor You know, my mum worked a few hours here and there my dad's minimum wage job um, but fortunately for me I, I studied at a time when I was met because my parents didn't earn much, I, I, I was okay, you know, I didn't yeah. pay my tuition fees and, and the loans I took. Okay, absolutely, I've, I've got student debt now, but I don't doubt that it's worthwhile because I'm, you know, I'm in the time of my life doing this. But that's the sad thought that, that I would have missed out, my brother would have missed out on, on studies. And there's not you know, without that, that higher level of study. I wouldn't. There's not. I wouldn't have been doing this now. Certainly not any, anywhere close to this level. And that's um, that's a sad thought yeah. for people that are coming through now. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and as you say, it's, it's, every every creative style is the result of a personality and a person and an individual. And so if every person's fierce and and forthright. It doesn't work like that. They, like you say, there have to be gentle souls and there has to be timid people. You know, and then it's up to tutors and the likes to, to nurture those people. And without that, that's not good. Mm-hmm, you it know, yeah, it makes me quite angry but then I guess coming full circle that inspires me to do something about that or at least what I can do within my power and within the people I work with
1: well it behoves those who have the drive Mm -hmm. and can make their case strongly to support those who are not so vocal, not so forceful Mm -hmm. who are shy perhaps and who think that uh, this isn't for them because they're not pushy enough they, they need support too yeah
0: of course they do absolutely.
1: I've known them as fellow uh, students you know yeah and seen how they flourished with support
0: I have close friends that you know um, that I help regularly that I sit down with and you know when they're having a bit of a bad time with it and I, I try and help them and, and mm-hmm. push them forward and you know that you need that everyone you know you need to offset personalities with other people types but I mean, I guess you've been over it quite a lot—the the whole the, the manu- first things first manifesto. Um, but looking at now, would you would you would you agree that there's um, there's a bigger need or a lesser need now for benevolent design and and, and working for, for good causes than, than ever, or would you?
1: Well, I've got you know, I've got to well, own up to straight away. My manifesto was not about benevolent causes. My manifesto was about the misappropriation of uh, public wealth. Yes. I believed that we had huge uh, amount of uh, surplus uh, wealth created by the workers, which had gone into the pockets of uh, the people who were misapplying it, and I thought that uh, a lot of the time and uh, <coughs> skills of people like us, designers, photographers, uh, artists, was being misapplied because the funds had been distorted. The uh, people who were manipulating huge amounts of funds neither deserved that um, amount of wealth that they were putting about, nor did they know how to use it, and I wanted it better used. Now that's not an ethical thing primarily, it's a political thing. It's basically, I was talking socialism in design, Mm -hmm. and um, this turned itself into by people's interpretation, and possibly yours. Into me being Mr. Ethics? No, oh,
0: no, no. I never said
1: that. Which I wasn't. I, I have my own ethics. I have my own morals. We, we all have. Uh, every one of us. Even, uh, even the our villains have some kind of moral posture, even if it's distorted. Of <coughs> but that's usually my business. You know, um, actually, what I spend my money on. If I have any surplus, is my business. Or, or, or whether, in what way I give, I make donations, etc., etc. Now. From this, historically, has come uh, a body of opinion that thinks that our skills, graphic design, let's say, skills, uh, have got to be applied to the right subject, in the right direction, for the right cause. Yes, by all means, I support causes, obviously. I wouldn't be wearing a CND badge if I didn't support that cause and others. But I still maintain that what I was talking about and still am talking about is what we do with our surplus wealth. That's kind of odd now because surplus wealth has somewhat disappeared. The bloody bankers have gone and squandered it, so we don't have it. You know, we've got to build up a. a uh, base of wealth all over again Mm. we've got to find out if we're not going to be the world's bankers what are we going to be but I think it stinks I think it's a misapplication of our surplus wealth gambling with money That's all we're doing gambling with money it's
0: horrible and it's so obvious yeah
1: it's so vile so I have a political view about that yes um There is an ethical background as well and so one's got to accept that every political position has got to be shored up by ethical and moral uh, values, Uh, but I don't regard them as being the first thing. My first thing is a Marxian notion of surplus value. We create, the workers, create value by their work. It's taken from us, as often as not, by people who don't deserve it and dedicated to things that we don't think it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Trident, for example. I mean, if, 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 if anybody asks me as a graphic designer what is my main cause, I say, get rid of Trident. Oh, that's got to do with design, exactly. It's only got to do with design because designers are people like everybody else. You and I are voters and we can use our vote to uh, upset and rearrange things that have gone badly wrong and spending billions and billions of pounds on creating an unusable nuclear weapon. God, what's the point of that? Mm So that is my position, and I yeah. don't, and I can't disguise it, and I shouldn't disguise it. Absolutely not.
0: No, I completely agree. I think it's wonderful. You know, um, I mean, I guess the the whole um, whole crux of this of this campaign, I suppose, is, is about expression. So you know, it does it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be benevolent. It doesn't have to be political. It, it could be anything at all you know it, it's just um, the main thing is people expressing themselves as, as individuals mm. and, and their beliefs so th- i mean that being said i mean do you do you express yourself through your creativity i mean I, of course you do you just through what you just described but i mean what other ways would you say you express yourself you know is, is it something you express emotions or thoughts uh, i don't know no.
1: well i am currently my main interest is photography mm-hmm. but i take photographs as a graphic designer Yes. Um, uh, could you see that tall book poking up there? This one? Pull it out. Have you seen that book before?
0: Yes, something
1: down, actually. Well, that came out in 2001 or 2002, and it was my uh, notion of how graphic design, and photography and, and, and writing... Mm. can come together. So Super. I designed this book together with the publisher, we, he's a, he himself is a graphic designer as well, a very good friend of mine, Hans Reichert. I took the photographs and I wrote the text and it seemed that was what I was doing and I expressed all kinds of socio-political views. Let me turn, turn around here, um, just take a look, turn over the page at this, just read the text, just of me. wow now if I was to do a new edition of this book I would add to that something I I, I was I was at uh, that place on several occasions I have relatives who have a condominium there so I like to see what they're up to these people with their indiscriminate displays of water (laughs) (laughs) you know they ran out of water all the aquifers underneath the desert, dried up. Yeah, they sucked them all from the nearest mountain ranges, the Sierra, whatever it's called, Sierra Nevada. They, my postscript would say that they are now importing water by truck from British Columbia, Canada. Wow! Now that is a thousand miles. Trucks come for a thousand miles, bringing water, which is immediately shoved into reservoirs and sprayed over the golf courses three times a day yeah so there's a moral position for you it's also a political one yeah and uh, quite a few of those photographs draw out metaphoric significances which have got social or political um, relevance so that's what i wanted to Interesting. Show you and, and a number. Of, uh, let me find you another another one so I can ram this home while I'm at it. This was an interesting one because my wife is Polish. Mm-hmm. Now the Solidarność movement, which itself went sour in the end, they came into government and they couldn't hack it. But the Solidarność movement was born out of the total decay of uh, a form of socialism which we called State Capitalism, those of us who don't believe in Soviet uh, communism, called State Capitalism. Mm. And State Capitalism was at its worst in Poland. It ended up with a military regime run by a man called General Jaruzelski, who imprisoned people, killed some people, repressed Solidarity, and altogether was a real shitbag. And that was my take on it. Mm. So I saw, I was looking for metaphors, and I thought that... you ask me what what I do, what I do now is seek metaphors which themselves, um, there's another there, I'll I'll summarise this for you, this can be seen from here, and look how interesting they are, that similarity, I mean there's there's all sorts of visual tie-ups here, the symmetry and and so on, this is the stoop of a single storey building in the black ghetto of uh, Houston, which is right in the centre of the city and overlooks downtown, and this is a downtown building, fairly new when I was there, which is a bank which looks like, of course, a cathedral. Yeah. That is my point. This was... Houston was worshipping money, and Houston, on the basis of its oil uh, explorations, which had gone worldwide, had also got itself lost in manipulating the money that comes from oil. Mm. And this was a bank which is not even mining oil anymore, but just shoving the money around that comes from oil exploration. Mm-hmm. Here was a, a single shack in the middle of Houston, uh, a derelict area in the middle of, of one of the great cities of the world, uh, totally neglected, with streets which were crumbling, with people who were on the poverty line, looking at this immense wealth, and that was another moral position I suppose you could say, mm. Absol- so yeah, absolutely. I also, and my position is this, I want there to be, I want things I do to be beautiful, to be startling, to be good designs or whatever, and this photograph is well, I'm one of my favourite photographs, that I was able to get the detail out here was a marvellous thing, because it looked like a complete silhouette, but these windows of course make it what it is. And subsequent photographs here also I I, I like them. See that to me is a terribly important photograph and it's in a exhibition I'm I'm putting up now which is called Look Closer, Here Be Monsters. And here are two monsters. They are side by side on a beach in, in Israel Stroke Palestine. They are of the same material but they look totally different and I have formulated a sort of fantasy that they are in fact Palestinians and Israelis mm. who are made of the same material who lie close together who cannot be separated but who whose differences have got to be recognised so we recognise the difference and we say we understand you must lie close together so that's my moral m- m- yeah, position about so all these metaphors And this is the metaphor of the sinking city of Mexico. Mexico was built over a lake called Lake Texcoco, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the basis for the original Aztec city. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the conquistadors came in, they immediately filled in the lake and built Mexico City on top of it, one of the greatest conurbations in the world. It's now sinking, Mm -hmm. because they didn't do their job properly. They didn't discuss properly with the native people, the Aztec people, uh, you know, how do we make a, this, your city bigger? So they made it bigger by just swamping it. Now, this of course is upside down, deliberately, That's it's a reflection. Mm. That is the square, it's called, it's, it's the, ma- the major city square in Mexico City, and this, is, every morning there is a, a shower of r- rain which finds itself in a sort of depression caused by the sinking square yeah wow so that is that that's more or less what i'm
0: yeah no i love it so have you uh have you you sort of trained in photography or is it just something that you pursued as you say as a graphic designer of your own interest
1: have i trained in? have
0: you trained in photography or is it just something that you pursued oh
1: absolutely in fact from the very before i even started at an art school i was fascinated by photography and I got a camera very early on and I've been taking photographs as long as I've been yep. studying design and I don't see the difference. No. I've worked with photographers as well with huge pleasure. This is, this was my favorite photographer to work with, Faye Godwin, yep. now dead. I miss her greatly. And designing these books was the way I felt graphic designers should work with photographers. Yeah. Not uh, distorting their work, not cropping it to make it look more flashy, but to show its innate quality. Mm-hmm. And that's that restrained form of book design was what I felt appropriate to uh, this splendid uh, work. Yeah. Uh, here we were. I say we because it wasn't just my work. It was a studio here. We four of us. We worked so devotedly on six books for fair godwin we sank ourselves in the subject yep. and when you do that you don't go uh, trying to make yourself look big and pay people saying Ooh, who who's the graphic designer no who's the photographer of course that's the thing yeah if you look you'll see the photographs are paired in a way that they have a relationship um certain features in them or, or, or echo one another yes just to make a good spread and to make, make a point, perhaps a social point but uh, mm. Faye, Faye Godwin was equally passionate about social matters, she thought that the, our country was being ruined by industrial excess
0: yeah and I guess that's that's some of um, that's another thing that I'm trying to show people in this project is that, you know, all the negative emotions and, and I mean <laughs> course calm deals with you know things like depression and um, and me- I guess mental illness to a degree and then mm. people struggling with issues and then um, so I'm trying to kind of show also show that there are ways to channel that and that's not of course that's not easy that's like I guess that's not my role in this it's not to kind of say it's not an easy thing to do and uh, but I you know picking up a camera things like that are accessible now and then um, and there are m- thousands of ways within a sketchbook or a camera or computer you know where people can um, can channel those emotions and create beautiful things as a result of that so well
1: the the shocking events in Syria are being shown to us by means of cheap cameras uh, or um, cameras attached to uh, mobile communication devices uh, in, in movie as well as in still photography and it's quite extraordinary what now is now uh, available to us uh, how we can now show events within hours of their happening. Yes. Which has overturned everything we've always thought about photojournalism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone can be a photojournalist, it seems. Yes.
0: Huh? Well, th- that was one thing that I found you mentioned in the, in the, in the original sort of manifesto when you mentioned the sheer amount of noise. Although, in different contexts, there's so much noise now, um, social media. Computers, instant news feeds—it's all you know. There's so much there, and um, it's—I guess it's becoming increasingly difficult to rise above that and the real stand out the real quality.
1: Indeed, and we can uh, one one reaction to all this uh, overkill information overkill is that people just shut off, don't want to know, and retreat into a kind of uh, mental limbo. Yes, or they go for—I don't know some form of pop music which is an outlet or they go for pornography or they go for some kind of uh, other experience which shuts out yeah. what they no longer want to recognize. Mm. So we've got to be we've got to be selective and we've got to be understanding of people for whom these social revelations are anathema. I I think we have to recognize that some people retreat from unpleasant experience Mm -hmm. because of their own background or because it just is too much. Yes. Uh, I I can give you a personal experience on this one. I don't read daily newspapers. I can't stand uh, the uh, commentaries, which are often dire. I don't like the um, overkill basically. I maybe read a newspaper once a week, if that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I see news. I can't avoid it on television. But increasingly, at my age, I have become less and less keen to tune in to yet more awful things. I know they're there. I've seen them myself, you know.
0: yeah.
1: But I am, in a way... I'm in a way not retreating, but i am I am filtering the huge uh, output of uh, information mm-hmm. down to that which I want to have, and only that yes, and i, I it's not a recipe for other people i don't i don't for one moment suggest that's what you should do. It's just, I'm telling you what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, you have to do that, not, but I feel the same. It's tiring, you know, it's, t- it's I mean, f- as part of my job, I have to be somewhat on the pulse with technology, but then I just f- I find that round-the-clock contact. The, of, the you know?
1: accompaniment to that is whatever wealth, and it's not a great deal of amount, whatever wealth I may accrue goes to specific charities. Médecins Sans Frontières is a wonderful organisation. There's one called Water Aid. I don't know whether you've ever heard of that. Yes. I, I think Water Aid is absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. I think life is based on water, and when you don't have water, you die. Um, and you don't just die; you s- civilizations disappear, societies break up without water. So, to have water in deserts, to sink artesian wells, and provide um, uh, pumps for people to have easy access to water it's a terribly important thing to me, and uh, so, and Maison Sans Frontieres which is doing such incredible things in Syria at the moment, and also in Sudan, so that is once, as well as, as it were, putting it all away by not reading newspapers, one knows where things, still aware of where there are crises that need to be faced. Of course,
0: I mean the, the good thing about anything being so instant I guess, is that once you become aware of what you want to know about and what you want to read upon, then it's there. You know, you can, th- 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 you can go in and yes, do that. Yes, I
1: think actually that is the crux. We, we cannot be all things to all people and social consciences are uh, worrisome uh, things to hang around one's neck and they can be utterly uh, disempowering. Mm-hmm. What we can do is find out what it is we can do. What what we can do is just a small contribution. Mm -hmm. But it is a contribution. It is. So I think that I would support people who say, I have decided that my uh, best gift or my best use of talent is to do this or be that. Um, Not to try and change the world, because I can't, uh, but to... Change some part of it, and if enough people take enough care over enough bits of what they're responsible for, maybe something will happen. You know,
0: that's. I believe that. You know, that's why. That's why I work with one small charity at a time. And mm-hmm. although it's a small design project, it's something that engages me. It's something that benefits the charity. And as you say, if enough people do that, then it, it flowers. You know, and it's surely that's. You know, if more if everyone people do that, believe that.
1: Now there is a corollary here. I. When I asked by students, what should I do, I say, acquire skills, find people who need your skills to promote their goods and services and help them. Yes. Subsequently, if you make money doing that, you can do what you want with your money. You can set up an organization of your own or you can support other people's organizations. First of all, you have to be able to earn enough of a living to be able to make a change with whatever surplus wealth you've created?
0: Yes. That's that's all I'm that's all I mean that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah, okay. It's uh, I mean I'm did as we speak, I have to, after we've finished talking today after to, to start i I'm working on a campaign for do you know Zumba? The dance like the sort of new dance fitness oh, right, and yeah. <laughs> it's for Zumba Kids in Florida. Hmm. And it's it's quite a bizarre one but it's 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 quite a good paying one. But what that means is that you know for six weeks intense work. After off the back of that, I'm in a nice position to sit back and go okay, so I'm, I'm yeah. able to put a bit of money in the bank. But now I can put this into you know the Calm campaign, or I can yeah. to channel that into my music company and, and, and grow that. You know, it's
1: now there is a corollary to my corollary, <laughs> and that is that actually I enjoy working with clients, often clients who have commercial uh, products and services. Me too. I like it of course when I like their products and services and I don't think I could enjoy working for somebody whose products I didn't like. I mean there's no question of working for somebody in the wrong kind of political party or who sells cigarettes or something, And obviously not. So I I like being a commercial designer. Mm -hmm. So that's my other corollary. I, I was asked to go to Barcelona to open an exhibition of manifestos. Could you believe? Exhibition of manifestos. Wow. I first things first, the, the two versions of the first thing I, I thought, I don't want to do this. But in the end, I thought, back to Barcelona, I love that place. So I thought, you're paying me. Okay, I'll go. On the way over, I wrote something called Last Things Last. And I said, what is the thing which I have neglected in supporting various issues, including... Uh, First Things First manifesto, it's my clients, the people who enabled me to do all the things I've been able to do. So I wrote a thank you to my clients called Last Things Last. And the audience were benused they had gathered for that purpose, but I thought, duff it, that's what you're getting. No,
0: I think that's beautiful and I think that's so true. You know, all those, I mean, I, I've only been going four years, but four years ago i was sat in a freezing cold mill in preston starting out with no clients no confidence mm-hmm. and um, and it was you know i think five six weeks of just solid phone calls emails pestering mm-hmm. new work building my style and uh, and it's it's testing it's testing i was lucky enough to have guys who've been further down the line than me and were getting regular work to give me that little lift when i needed it yeah but those first few phone calls were precious you know i got the first commission piece I ever did was for when Saturday comes, which is a football magazine. It's almost like a fanzine, come magazine. I'm a huge football fan, so the excitement was that was almost too much. I almost bottled the job completely because I was so <laughs> simultaneously scared and excited yeah. at this first commission. But I've been working for those guys for four years ever since, and they come yeah. back on a usually a monthly basis. Uh, they say I did do stuff for the Guardian newspaper as well, and um, and all those guys who've come back around and are often. You know, if I've got more exciting jobs I'll be like oh, come on I'll, I'll do it anyway but then it's times like this when I'm able to take a month off to support this charity that I really am grateful of, of
1: that, income, that income and we poor. mustn't forget this And uh, you should read your, what, I, what I said uh, I think it's where are we maybe in here
0: I love this by the way the colours are gorgeous.
1: Have you seen my recent book or what I call one's book I didn't write it it was about by a man called Adrian Shaughnessy?
0: I've been I read upon it when I was researching.
1: They sold out the first printing so it had a relaunch when the second printing was printed in China and I want to show you that Adrian I didn't I didn't guide him at all as to what he should include in the book I gave him what he he said can you give me all your archive i didn't even know what what he was talking about i gave him everything we've ever done samples of everything we've ever done since 1962 and in fact samples of my work on design magazines after before that and let him just wallow in it Mm. so this is what's been distilled out of all that right and but he did recognize my keenness on photography and he did a whole very good section on photography which is um, this section here, and he included some of my my photography, which I am very, I was very keen on. You know, Excellent. Yeah. this is me working as art editor of Design Magazine. An article. This is a preface to an article just called Furniture. It was a review of furniture. It happened to be my son <laughs> uh. <laughs> with his little finger <laughs> examining furniture, and. Uh, and Adrian was very perceptive because he could see the hands were things, so he put those together. Or he and yeah. his designers, and then they showed children laughing. Uh, <laughs> that's my daughter, and that's uh. a, a young friend of hers. That's my son. That's my son. Um, and all these photographs, which were very important to me, um, and still are. You know, it's part of my work. I I, I love to be commissioned to to do photography as well as graphic design mm.
0: that must be a wonderful feeling for you to see that all in one volume presented so
1: well I, I, I said at the book launch this is a very embarrassing occasion because I thought that books like this should only be and could only be posthumous <laughs> and here it is you know, yeah. I'm looking at what sort of thing one might see about oneself after one mustn't hear anymore yeah. So I said, um, but you never know, just watch this space. So <laughs> big audience laugh on that one. But yes, I am proud of it, and, and, and I feel Adrian's done a splendid work. Yes, yeah, beautifully designed. Yeah. Now the thing is, I'm giving you this.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, thank you very
1: much. So, a, a little surprise. You sounded as though you thought you might like it. Oh,
0: yeah, I was going to go and order it straight away. Oh,
1: thank you very much, Ken. really appreciate that. If
0: I never get to meet any more celebrities, any more famous people, I do not give a shit. Um, Ken Garland is the epitome for me. He's right up there with Damon Albarn and other people that I creatively admire. Um, and for him to invite me around to his front room, it was an absolute dream, and I'll never forget the time I spent with him there. So let me know what you think. Hit me up on the Twitter at Arrest All Mimics. Spread the word. Share the cause. Or drop me a review on iTunes if you get a moment. I really do appreciate all your support, guys. Um I absolutely love doing this podcast and we've got a whole new range of awesome people coming up. We've got Kerry Lemon, we've got Malika Favreau, we've got Nick Chubb, an industrial designer, who um, has done some awesome portfolio reviews recently and he's going to give us some really great insights into marketing, branding, portfolios. Crucial stuff, loads of cool people coming up, and I've got loads more awesome interviews lined up over the next few weeks, so it's going from strength to strength, and I really appreciate your support. Keep downloading the shows, keep sharing the links, keep hitting me up on the Twitter at Rest or Mimics. Thanks as ever to the sponsors, heartinternet.co.uk, printed.com, illustrationweb.com. Um, those guys have got everything covered from illustration to the tech side of things, to the printed side of things go and look after them like they look after me and support the creative industries by promoting this show so that it's free for you guys every week, keep checking back in love to hear from you, cheers for all the feedback online, love it, really going to be pounding it over the next few weeks can't wait to be back with you see you all soon